It's very rare that a person in broadcasting who is literally paid to speak on things like the Golden Blue Nation podcast is at a loss for words. But that about sums things up as we sit here at Milan Pushkar Stadium on a dark, cool, and victorious night as West Virginia, on a night of nights in this stadium, defeats Pitt 17-6 to for the first time since 2011. We welcome you into the Golden Blue Nation podcast, which is coming to you from the Mac Field Lounge. Please don't tell Ren Baker uh, a little bit after midnight <laughs> on Sunday morning. It's Nick Farrell and Ryan Decker here to put a bow on a historic rivalry victory for the old Golden Blue, one that at least allows West Virginia to go into Big 12 play with a 2-1 and one record, but who knows what this could do for the trajectory of things moving forward. That's not a question for this podcast. That's a question that we'll learn the answer to slowly over the next nine-plus weeks. Right. But, man, Deck, this felt good. What a night. I mean, I tweeted this out at one point during the game. Milan Pushkar Stadium has not felt like this, has not sounded like this in a long time. Going back to the previous coaching staff, I, I think mm. uh, the, the the energy in here was different. It was a different vibe. The Just the backyard brawl being back was fantastic. And you, you talked about it at the top, you know, people like us who do this for a living, we're not normally at a loss for words. We also, I think, as people in this industry, don't do a very good job a lot of times of taking in the moment because mm. we are too worried about covering whatever oh, we have good, to cover. Such a good point. I try, I really tried to make it a point a couple of times tonight to just look around and take in the moment. N- uh, Nico Markiel talked about that after the game on the kneel downs. I really tried to do that a couple of times tonight, Ooh. just take in the moment. Man, I wanted to talk a little bit of football, but l- let's just let's just go right there, man. I mean, this is the, I believe, the third most attended game in Neil Brown's five-year tenure at WVU. Uh, others that were more Attended were the 2019 JMU game, which was his first game as head coach, and I think the 2019 Texas game, if I'm not mistaken. To me, this is the best atmosphere at WVU since the Black Friday game against Oklahoma that was essentially a do-or-die game for the Big 12 tournament, or Big 12 championship game, I should say, after West Virginia lost in just abysmal fashion on the road at Oklahoma State. Um, It was not pretty football, and we'll talk about the football in a minute, Uh, but after how exciting it was last year, to have the brawl back in Pittsburgh, setting a city of Pittsburgh record for the most attended sporting event ever mm-hmm. in a hundred plus years of sports history in the Steel City. To have this moment, this memory here in Morgantown, man, it is the, this, I, I said it after the Penn State game, and I'll say it again now. This is why these games have to be played, man. Yes. I mean, just just make it happen. And I have know Red Baker's for it. I know he is. And I hope that he's not going to come yell at us for sitting here on this very plush couch in the Macfield Lounge as people are uh, picking up garbage out of the bleachers here. But, man, this game just matters. It just matters. You know, I, I know the SEC says <laughs> it, it just means more. But it just matters to so many people yeah. all over the place, all, all over all over this state. In, in Western PA, for me, a guy who grew up in Pittsburgh but had no allegiance to Pitt or West Virginia, it just means so much. And you could, that was tangible tonight, man. Mm-hmm. It was tangible from start to finish for hours before the game started, right? right? It was tangible the whole night. And that, it, it is just the epitome of college football right here, man. And you could tell the longer this game went on, especially, I think there was still a little bit of a feeling out process at the beginning part part of this game, especially, and we'll get into this with the Garrett Green injury mm-hmm. that really threw this game out of whack, at least in the, in the early portions. But the longer this game went on, 
you could tell things started to get a little bit chippier oh on the field. There, there, at one point, the game had to be stopped because there was a little bit of extracurricular activities going on. That felt more like your Big E-style mm-hmm. rivalry game between these two teams. You got a little bit of that, and the more these games are played, the closer we get back to what it used to be before the series ended, or I guess somewhat ended in 2011. By the way, if you didn't tune into Mountaineer Game Day Saturday morning, which, by the way, we're live on local Nextstar stations at 10 a.m. every Saturday and live on AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh at 11 a.m. every Saturday before Mountaineer football games, uh, you heard Deck mention that he has not really had a backyard brawl memory because he got married last year, Mm -hmm. the week before the brawl, I guess, and was on his honeymoon. That game was played right before Labor Day weekend. So you finally got your memory, man. I mean, this this is a big night for the Dexter. Huge. Huge. I mean, really, and again, that's one of the other reasons why, like I said earlier, I tried to make it a point a couple of times to just mm-hmm. look around, really take in the crowd, the atmosphere. Unfortunately, I might have been in the John when Sweet Caroline oh, played the first I'm time. I'm so glad you brought that but, up. But <laughs> you know what? A, they played it again because Sean Mariner had his finger on the pulse of the stadium that's right. all night long. And again, just the atmosphere... The electricity that was in this building, it, yep. was, it was pumping all night. Yeah, and I, I hate to admit this, but I, too, was bringing in some photos during the third quarter break because I said to myself, I knew that it was a possibility that they'd play the song, but I didn't think they'd actually do it. Because, let, let's be real, man, the consequence of you doing that and then losing this game, that's bad. That's, bad. Yeah. that's a bad look. But it ended up being more like a Steelers renegade mm-hmm. because after that moment, West Virginia's defense just slaughtered Pitt slaughtered the Panthers. I mean, it, it felt like those dudes were out for blood. You mentioned the chippiness of it. Let, let's get into talking about the football now at this point, Deck. Uh, you mentioned the chippiness of it. It wasn't necessarily a clean game. It was not the most, uh, maybe the uniforms were aesthetically pleasing, but beyond that, it wasn't great football. It really did feel like sort of an old school football game. I don't know if it's a maybe to say a classic Big East football game. I think somebody like Rashid Marshall might take issue with that. Yeah, he might. Uh, but, but it was an old school football game. At first, it felt like the team that was going to run the ball better was the team that was going to win. Pitt ran 10 plays in its opening drive, a scoring drive, and all of them were run plays. It just felt like the kind of game that you got to tighten your chin strap for. But all of a sudden, to me, Deck, I think the turning point in the game was when West Virginia was trailing early. Nico Marchio comes into the game after Garrett Green's injury. Seemed just maybe a little shaky, still mm-hmm. trying to get a feel for the game. I mean, imagine being in Nico's situation, right. waking up as the backup quarterback and getting thrown into this mess. A rivalry where fans are chanting obscenities throughout the night, right? You have Marchio getting into the game. It feels like he's starting to get a feel for the game, and then they have that fumble on the doorstep. And then it's like... Is West Virginia ever going to be able to get this over the goal line mm-hmm. tonight? Is it just going to be a field goal kick shootout? What's going to happen? Sure enough, right after that, what happens? Aubrey Burks with a big interception almost houses it. He looked like MJ Devonshire running it back from last year, right? To me, that is the turning point presented by First Green Mortgage. Your home is the heart of what we do. Because after that moment, West Virginia had control of the game. It may not always have been pretty, but the Mountaineers got a touchdown after that drive on a connection between Markio and Cole Taylor. And after that, West Virginia just seemed to overpower Pitt, whether it was the offensive line which, man, made its NIL money mm-hmm. today. Oh, yeah. Whether it was the defensive secondary coming up with more big picks later, whether it was special teams guys like Jared Bartlett and Malachi Ruffin absolutely obliterating, yes. WWE-style obliteration of Devonshire on a punt return. After that, West Virginia took care of business. Definitely a couple things to go off of what you just said. Uh, going back to the renegade 
hmm. likeness of Sweet Caroline there at the end of the third quarter. Going back and looking at the stats, Pitt after that third quarter break, just 43 yards in the final quarter, only seven rushing yards in wow. that final quarter. Considering how they started that game, or this game, that was huge for West Virginia's defense to be able to swallow up that running game in the fourth quarter. The other thing is, we talk about going back to the running game there. Pitt really started to dominate this game for the first quarter by running the football effectively. After that first quarter, just 126 yards of offense for the Pitt uh, Panthers in this game. West Virginia's defense really stepped up, and it goes back to what you were just talking about with the turnovers. That was such an emphasis all offseason long, and we didn't see it come to fruition Mm -hmm. in the Penn State game. A couple chances just couldn't be completed. I think it's five turnovers now in the last two games this WVU defense has right. has forced. I think almost everyone, if not everyone, has been an interception. That's huge for a defense that only had four INTs all last year, only 10 takeaways all last year, and had have done so in big games. Maybe the Duquesne game wasn't as big as this game, certainly, but that was an important game to win, to be in a right place and a right frame of mind heading into this game, and that defense just continues to grow. as huge. Really, five takeaways if you count two turnovers on downs for the Panthers as yeah. well. I mean, West Virginia's defense just rose to the occasion tonight. Yep. I think you really have to applaud that group uh, because, yeah, after Garrett Green goes down, Nico Marchio comes in, Coach Brown, and you'll hear from him in just a minute, said that he felt that the defense really took that to heart, mm-hmm. right? They knew that they needed to step their game up in order to secure a victory for the Mountaineers tonight, and that's exactly what happened. Both of these teams com- uh, had 211 total yards, both of them, Pitt and West mm-hmm. Virginia, but the Mountaineers just made more out of their yardage, thanks in part to better field position from right. those takeaways, but also the play of that offensive line. I mean, the guys up front for WVU were just absolutely outstanding. Yep. And then on the flip side, when Pitt needed to get a little bit of push on with its offensive line, it simply couldn't do it. It couldn't protect Dracovic. Phil Dracovic, Pitt's quarterback, couldn't get a yard on a fourth and one situation right. that led to a turnover on downs. It was that simple to me. When you look at the two offensive lines, West Virginia's was Goliath and Pitt's was David and the Panthers paid for it because of it. So coming into this season, I think we all knew that West Virginia's defensive line maybe has more depth than it's had in years past. Cer- certainly doesn't have the star power and I think the top end talent that it's had in the past. But what this defensive line has done the first couple games of the season is really pick and choose its spots when it needs to go all out. And you've seen guys like Sean Martin, he was disruptive at times tonight. Fatorma Malba, he had a really disruptive game yeah. here tonight. I don't know how much he figured into the stat sheet, but he was really big on a couple of plays, getting into the backfield at times, um, and, and going off the D-line. Tyron Bradley, Trey Lathan, and obviously Lee Cobb is huge. We know that every game. But those couple guys just really stood out to me, Vitor Mamalba especially. I mean, twice I can remember specifically him getting into the backfield or making a big stop at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Fatorma, five total stops and a TFL. Yeah, but huge. But there were probably plenty more times where he got there and was disruptive. Look, mm-hmm. I said on Mountaineer Game Day this morning, and I don't want to pat my back so hard that you can't hear the rest of this podcast, but I said that if the Mountaineers could rattle Phil Dracovic, that that was going to be the key to victory, and it was. Mm-hmm. Uh Let's try to put this as kindly as possible. A Phil Dracovic-led offense does not instill much confidence. There's not very many redeeming qualities. I mean, that was, to be a little more harsh, one of the worst quarterback performances by a starter that I've seen in this building in the last six years that I've been covering WVU. Especially from a Power 5 team. And and Pitt was, excuse me, West Virginia was able to continue to exploit that. Anytime Pitt had to pass the ball, right. there was a level of discomfort there. And it's not just because the Pitt offense has really struggled passing. It's because West Virginia made things difficult. And that's a good sign 
when you consider that the secondary was a big question mark after two games. Now, is this one of the worst teams that West Virginia is going to play? Worst passing offenses? Let's clarify mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's possible, but when you look around the Big 12, and I don't want to look too far down the road deck, but there are some Big 12 teams that look like they might really be down this year. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know that West Virginia, if the goal is what to get to 6-6 six and six for bowl eligibility, get to 8-4 so that you're maybe in the top half of the Big 12 conference, it's, it's hard to really envision what's reasonable for West Virginia. But I do think the one thing that you learned tonight is that if West Virginia has to win ugly, it might be capable of doing that. And there might be some ugly Big 12 games coming down the pipe. There certainly will be. I mean, you think Texas Tech comes in here next week. Texas Tech 1-2. and two. They played a lot of close games so far. But so they've you, beaten you, West Virginia a bunch of times under Coach Brown. That is true. A lot of recent history in favor of the Red Raiders there. TCU's been up and down just looking at the schedule you know, moving forward. Then that matchup in Houston. Houston mm-hmm. has not played well this year. And then after that, there's a bye week. Oklahoma State comes to Morgantown. Oklahoma State's fared pretty well here you know, throughout their history in this series. But Oklahoma State's not played well. Lost at all this to Southern season. Alabama lost by a bunch. A, yes, lost very badly today. And then, and then you go further down. And you don't want to go too far in October. So many things can change at that point. And certainly, we don't know what West Virginia's quarterbacking situation is mm-hmm. going to be past this week. It sounds like we'll get an update on that on Monday from Neil Brown. But uh, certainly things trending upwards for West Virginia in a way that I don't know if people saw after this first three games that were on the schedule of this season. It, it's interesting to see, especially because. In the Big 12 era, did you ever envision we would see a West Virginia team only pass for 60 yards no. and win the game? No, exactly. That's huge. Yeah, exactly. That's huge. It, it is, this was remarkable for a lot of reasons. Again, I'm not saying that it was pretty football. It certainly was not. And I think that there was a if – you, if you really did your prep – to get ready for this game, if you watch some film of Pitt as well, you probably said to yourself going into this, man, it's going to be a slugfest. If West Virginia can just make fewer mistakes, can get more takeaways, that's going to be the key, and, and that is exactly how this game played out. Now, you mentioned injuries before we take a quick break. Uh, Garrett Green, with that ankle or foot, was in a boot. Coach mm-hmm. Brown said that he wanted to come back, but probably wasn't fit to play, uh, so we're going to get an update on him. Don't really have an update on him at this point. C.J. Donaldson, though, Coach Brown was a little more optimistic on. Donaldson had an injury in the second half. It was mostly Jalen Anderson, or maybe entirely Jalen mm-hmm. Anderson the rest of the way. Uh, Coach Brown did indicate that CJ maybe just had a stinger or was maybe a, a little sh- shaken up, but not not in bad shape, right. I guess. So so that's a, that's a positive sign for West Virginia uh, as we look ahead to this upcoming matchup with Texas Tech. Why don't we take a quick break? On the other side, we'll listen into Coach Brown's postgame press conference after the victory over the Panthers. Searching for a mortgage lender that's 100% local, personal, and focused on home loans? First Green Mortgage has been serving West Virginia for more than 35 years, and they can assist you with every step of your home ownership journey. Visit them in Bridgeport or Morgantown or at fgm.bank. Okay, as promised, let's hear now from head coach Neil Brown, the victorious head coach, after a 17-6 win in the 2023 rendition of the Backyard Brawl. I want to recognize the crowd, first of all. I uh, thought they played a huge factor in the game. Uh, <laughs> Uh, definitely the most intense, uh, most um, uh, biggest crowd we've had at a man trip in five years. Um, thought they were into it from the start. The uh, they made a difference. Uh, you know, I think Pitt had nine penalties in the game, several procedure penalties. Um, I think noise had a factor in that. I think our guys fed off of it, uh, fed off the energy. You know, we had some bad things happen to happen to us in that football game. You know, you lose your your starting quarterback, who's really not only your starting quarterback, but he's really kind of the 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 heart and soul of the football team. He's he's the the high energy guy. He's the the leader. He's got. Um, 
you know, he's a guy that's easy to follow and he goes down on the second drive. Um, and playing at home in that type of atmosphere, I really thought, especially our defensive players, fed off that. Um, and so I want to I want to credit the the crowd. And um, we play we play a game next week too. And so uh, we'd love it for all come back and make it really hard on on those guys from West Texas. Um, but a huge win, huge win. I thought it was a team win. Um, they call it the brawl for a reason. You know, and that wasn't a thing of beauty. There, that wasn't like a classic. Uh, they're not going to talk about the the beauty of that game for for a long time. But regardless of what it what it was, it was a win for West Virginia. And um, I have a lot of respect for for Coach Narduzzi and that and that that team. They've won a bunch of games the last two years. Um, you know, it, it's been something that stuck with us for fifty four weeks. And. Um, we had a chance. We had a lead in the fourth quarter 54 weeks ago, and we just we did not finish. And I think the evolution of our program, and I think a lot of it has to do with our offseason, a lot of it has to do with the leadership we have, um, the fact that, that our best players are on both both fronts. I think that has really helped us. And, and we're a tough football team. We're a mentally tough football team. We're a physically tough football team. And I thought that showed, and it was ugly, and we can play ugly ball. And, and, um, but I'm proud of our guys, really proud, proud of our staff. You know, it, I, I said this to our team and I, and I made a point of this. It'd been since November 25th of 2011, since the state of West Virginia and our fan base had experienced a win and been able to celebrate a win over Pittsburgh on the gridiron. And, and, and our state needed this. Our university needed this. Our football program needed this. Um, and so this is a huge win on a bunch of different levels. And, and that's not lost on us. Um, and it's also, these are the type of wins, like, I'm so happy for our staff. Um, and and not just the staff, but also the families of the staff. You know, there's there's neg- there's been negativity. And, and, like, I can tune it out. I live in a bubble, honestly. I mean, I go two places, uh, counting three if I – if uh, if Dax has a has a uh, a flag football game, and so I'm in this building, I'm in my house, and I do a radio show, and that's basically what I'm in a bubble. And but our our staff and and their families have to deal with that, and and so I'm, I'm excited for them, so they shouldn't have to deal with that for a week, you know. Um, and and that's a group that puts a lot of time and effort into it. And so, so I'm really happy for them. They can experience this. Uh, that's one of the best traditions in all of college football is singing country roads after a win. And, and that feeling in that locker room, if you can bottle it up and sell it, they, they, it'd be the top seller wherever you went because that's a great feeling when you, when you put a lot into it and you're able to get the payoff. And so pleased with them. I thought um, offensively just, you know, it wasn't pretty, um, but we were able to ground it out. You know, we ran for it's 51 for 151. You know, we had some lost yardage in there when we tried to throw it. Um, you know, it's tough. Backup quarterbacks get about 20, 25% of the reps. And so, um, first time in a long time, like, I just I had our call sheet, and I just – I don't know if you saw it. I was carrying a notebook, and I, I just made a bunch of notes, uh, plays that I felt like that, that Nico felt comfortable with and what he could do. And and it was about half, a, half of a, a sheet of paper. And um, and he went out and credit to him. That's a tough place, and I think it speaks to him when you think about this. He's had two wins where he played the majority of the, or you know a lot of snaps uh, on the road at Oklahoma State, which they hadn't lost in a long time at home. 
I know, I know people don't want to talk about that game, but we did beat them at home at the end of last year and broke like a long winning streak for them at home, okay? And he played quarterback the whole second half. And then tonight, in a really tough spot, you know, and biggest rival we have, national television, and he gets thrust in there in the third series. And a lot of times people don't win football games. You know, a lot of times what happens is people lose them. And what he didn't do, he had a fumble, but he came back and he didn't lose the game. And I think that you can't lose – like you don't – you can't you, – that, that's something that should should not be lost. Um, and I know you guys that really understand the game um, understand that. And then de- defensively, you know, we've been, um, you know, probably fairly criticized over the last, you know, year and a half that we haven't played. You know, especially in the secondary, we hadn't played as well. Well, those guys go out tonight, and they get three interceptions. Um, Pitt struggled the, in, the entire game. Run uh, they, After the first drive, they ran the ball and, and, and had some success running, but they didn't really uh, do much after that. And so I'm happy for those guys. Um, in the secondary, I'm happy for, for Dante Wright, Shadon Brown, Jordan Leslie, those guys. They had a good plan, and the players went out and executed. And so um, overall, huge win. Final thoughts now on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Nick Farrell and Ryan Decker here with you. And by the way, if you want to hear the complete postgame remarks from the head coach, we invite you to go to our website, goldenbluenation.com, or check out the free Golden Blue Nation app. Deck, I know you have a stat for us as a parting shot. Yeah, so the six points allowed by West Virginia here Saturday night, the fewest points allowed by either team in the series since 1996 when, coincidentally, West Virginia shut out Pitt 34 nothing. That was part of a back-to-back year uh, trend there where West Virginia outscored Pitt 55 nothing over back-to-back seasons. That was huge, and part of that onslaught that West Virginia, that run that West Virginia really went on from the 80s to the 90s up through the, the, the aughts there. I have one more note, too. If you count West Virginia's non-conference rivalry games over the last several seasons, Neil Brown is probably 3-3 three and three in those games, right? Losses to Maryland. Pitt last year and then Penn State, but all of those games on the road beat Virginia Tech mm-hmm. in 21, beat Virginia Tech on the road in Blacksburg in 22, and then beat Pitt at home tonight. Uh, I think that there has been a narrative about Coach Brown and his ability to get players ready. Uh, when it comes to these rivalry games, there is no question that his team has been prepared. Yeah. Uh, lost to a Maryland team that they should have beat had that game that was really 50-50 against Pitt last year. I mean, if you make a couple of plays or even just one play in three or four situations, right. you probably walk away with a victory at Acrisure Stadium. And then tonight, against all odds, really, you mm-hmm. lose your starting quarterback, you go down 3 nothing, you turn it over and things don't look great, you still find a way to get the job done. This, to me, at this juncture feels like more than two and one going into conference play. This feels like the spark that West Virginia needed to try to charge forward and start generating some upward trajectory. And that quest continues next week when the Mountaineers host Texas Tech to conclude a three-game homestand. you got to feel that West Virginia, if you go three and three in these home games, puts them in a really good spot. Oh, that's huge. That, that, that's huge. You talk about getting West Virginia on a trajectory to move in the right direction. 
Again, we don't want to look too far down the line, but this Big 12 conference seems wide open right now. If you can steal a couple of these wins early on in the season, that just gives you momentum moving into the second half, the second portion of your schedule. And then after that, you never know what's going to happen. Ryan Decker feels like Tony Caridi because they haven't kicked him out of the Mac Field Lounge yet. But we do have to wrap this up here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Deck, good to chat with you. Yep, you as well. We'll catch you next week here on the GBN pod. In the meantime, we invite you to visit our website, goldenbluenation.com, for complete coverage of Mountaineer football. We'll have Coach Brown's weekly press conference coming for you on Monday as he addresses the media and the Mountaineers enter Big 12 play. It was truly a night of nights and a reminder of what makes college football so great. Play the brawl every year. Please just do it. Just do it. For Ryan Decker, I'm Nick Farrell, and this has been a victorious Backyard Brawl edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast.